Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell. I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University and delighted to welcome you to today's podcast with Professor Boyd Swinburne from Australia. There, he's chair in Population Health and director of the World Health Organization Collaborating Center for Obesity Prevention at Deakin University. Uh, Professor Swinburne, prior to that, was in New Zealand, where he was medical director of the National Heart Foundation and was on the faculty of the University of Auckland, and one of the um, most creative people in our field. So welcome, Boyd. Delighted to have you here. Thank you, Kenny. So the topic of this particular podcast, and we'll be doing two others, Mm -hmm. is on the relative importance of diet and physical inactivity in contributing to obesity. And the, our field, I think, has sort of gone along merrily, thinking that they're both important, perhaps even in equal ways. And people within our field don't want to insult the colleagues who are on the other side of the energy balance equation. But this is really a very important issue. And maybe you could help explain a little bit about why it's important, and then we can talk about the data. I think it is really important, and you're quite right, that it's taken some time to get the nutrition and the physical activity people together, talking to each other, and that this problem of obesity is tackled with both arms of the energy balance equation. And I think that's really important, and I I strongly believe that has to continue. So let me say up front that I'm a firm believer in physical activity, not only for its uh, potential impact on obesity, but in other health areas. But that doesn't mean to say that they're both equally contributing to the problem, and it doesn't mean to say that they're going to be equally contributing to the solution. So um, that question we need to uh, dissect because it has very important implications for how, what, how we think about the rise of the epidemic and what's driving it and what we're going to do about it and what the solutions might be. So we've been examining um, a bit about that and trying to ask the question, how much of the rise in the epidemic over the last 30 years can one attribute to the intake side or the physical activity side? So one can only imagine how complicated this must be. If you think about the food intake side, you have uh, you know, hundreds of different things changing in the environment, portion sizes and the type of food and marketing and all these things are driving the food intake side. And then the physical activity side is equally complex. So how would one set about studying this issue? Well, I think just from first principles, um, we get some ideas. Now, obesity took off in the 70s and 80s, not only in the US, but in many countries around the world, all developed countries around the world and many developing countries, all about the same time. And interestingly, it might start flattening off in some countries about the same time as well. So something is happening at a global level which can change quite quickly. Now, to me, that argues quite strongly against changes in our genes or changes in our parenting style or indeed changes even in our physical activity environment because that's tightly linked, of course, to the built environment. And most of us live in cities, and the cities, while they do evolve, they don't evolve that quickly, and they don't all evolve at the same time. Would you put in that category something like personal responsibility and the willpower, that it would have been unlikely that that would have changed so much during that? Absolutely. We haven't had a, haven't had a global collapse of willpower in the last 30 years. So to me, the, all these um, attributes at a personal level really don't ring true as to what's driving the epidemic. So it has to be global, um, it has to be able to change quite quickly, and to me the obvious thing is the food supply. And when we look back over the last 30 years, if we take the four Ps of marketing, 
the product. The product has changed out of sight. We've got many more of them, and the composition of products has has grown changed enormously. Uh, often, unfortunately, towards more energy dense uh, types of products. Uh, the promotion obviously has become far more sophisticated than it uh, than it ever has been, and I'm, I'm particularly concerned about that in relation to children. Uh, the placement it's just uh, everywhere. Uh, prior to prior to these last uh, 20 or 30 years, food was in food shops. Now it's now it's at almost uh, any shop, and also the price. The relative price of junk food has come down over time relative to other types of food and relative to income. So all of the things are working in the right direction for a big push factor to influence our energy intake. And so just from first principles, it seems to me that energy intake is driving that. All right, so you're making the argument that during the time of rapid increase in obesity, there have been profound changes in the food supply, but less significant changes in physical activity patterns. Yeah, I think so. I mean, cars have been around for a while. Yes, there's more ownership. TV has been around for long before the epidemic. And yes, you might argue about whether we've increased our viewing. Um, there are some things like uh, electronic games, which are just new, which have, have certainly been on the increase because they weren't there before. And other things where we do have quite good data, for example, around uh, active transport to school has gone down remarkably. But I think they're relatively small contributors to the overall energy balance. Um, and for me, from first principles, I think the food world has changed much more. My guess is that most people don't understand how one might study things like how many calories a population consumes. And they're very interesting pieces of information, I know, on that that you've collected from various sources. So how do you go about saying how much a population is eating? Well, there are lots of different sources of food, and relying on diet uh, surveys is problematic because people tend to underreport, and there's some evidence that the level of underreporting has actually increased over time. So I'm quite suspicious of what dietary surveys are telling us about total energy intake. Um, there are other ways of looking at it, and one is around food supply. So the USDA, for example, takes uh, estimates of total food production minus the exports plus the imports minus uh, what's used for animals minus an estimate of waste and comes down to a rough estimate of calories per head and has been doing that for the last 100 years, actually. Uh, so these data are collected on a regular basis across all countries, and that's telling us that in the last 30 years, the food energy supply into countries like the U.S. has increased dramatically. Are you, is the research to the point where you can assign percentages? Like if you, could you say that X percent of the increase in obesity in the past three or four decades is attributable to diet, to diet and why is attributable to physical activity? Yeah, that's a good question, and people have different equations for estimating that. Uh, we've developed some equations which are based on the relationship between um, energy expenditure and energy intake and body size. What a lot of people don't realize is that, um, that on average, uh, the larger the person, the larger the body size, and in fact, the larger the energy expenditure. 
So we've just because used, it takes more energy to support the excess because weight it takes that, calories. Yes, that's exactly right. Because the bigger the body size, the higher the, the lean mass as well as the fat mass actually, and uh, that generate that uh, generates resting metabolic rate, which is a requirement of calories. Mm-hmm. So we've taken some of those equations and we have applied it to these USDA data on on food supply to the whole country, and under our estimations, the amount of increase in the food energy in the food supply is more than enough to explain the increase in weight. And others have done uh, use equations coming at it from a different angle and come up with the same conclusion. The, we, we differ a little bit in terms of the magnitude of that, but the same conclusion is virtually all of the, in, of the increase in weight can be accounted for by an increase in food supply, which suggests very much a strong push factor, if you like, of food supply driving energy intake and also driving actually increased waste of food. We've seen that as well in the U.S. So explain what you mean by push factor. What I mean by that is that we are creatures of the environment. We are highly responsive to the environment. If it's, if it's there, we will respond to it. And we like to think that we have free choice about what we do, but in, in actual fact, um, if you change environmental conditions, then we respond to those. So, for example, um, the environment in, uh, in Amsterdam for getting to work is highly conducive to cycling, and most people do. The, the environment in Atlanta is highly conducive to driving, and that's what people do. Uh, the same is true with the food supply. If there is if there is a lot of food that's available, that's tasty, that's advertised, that's low price, then we're going to respond to that and we eat it. Uh, and that's what I mean by a push factor, that we are, the calories are kind of being pushed and we are responding by eating them. Does it follow, therefore, that health professionals and policymakers should focus more on the food part of this than the physical inactivity part in terms of trying to cure the obesity problem not cure but pr- reduce prevalence yeah I think it has I think it has enormous implications for prevention um, first of all while we do need to keep continuing to promote increases in physical activity and reductions in sedentary behavior I think we have to be realistic about the impact that that's likely to have my my belief is likely to be relatively modest impact of those types of um, interventions so as you said before good for other, areas of your health. Yeah, absolutely. But just not having a big impact on weight. Yes. So, uh, I mean, I'm a great advocate of physical activity, and I think we need to do it, but we just need to reduce our expectations on what it can achieve, um, From which means that really the policies need to focus on, on the food side. Now, that is much more contentious. It's highly contested by the food industry, and uh, politicians do not like dog fights between academics and the public and, and the food industry, they prefer to focus on something where everyone can agree that more ac- physical activity is good, which is why in the government policy documents we, we see physical activity featuring strongly. But to be honest, to, in order to tackle obesity, we have to deal with the food supply side and policies have to be directed at influencing that. Well, thank you very much for describing this. This is, this is what I feel groundbreaking work because it really helps chart out a course for what might be done about the obesity problem. So thank you for joining us. You're welcome. So please visit our website at www.yalerudcenter.org for a list of other excellent podcasts that have been recorded, a free email newsletter that comes out monthly, and a variety of other resources. Thank you.